You may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning to Church in the Park. It's so wonderful to be out here. It's so good to see so many of you that we haven't seen, and it's good to meet guests and uh, make new friends. We've had an opportunity today to already establish new relationships, and we just enjoy being in God's creation, you know, being out here where, uh, you know, God has set this uh, this uh, format for us. That's not the right word, but this uh, environment. What a great time. Uh, to just worship the Lord in creation, in the park. You know, in the beginning, God created man and woman. He put them in a beautiful setting. It was in a park-like environment. And so what a good time to meet with God. And I pray this morning that if you're joining us, uh, maybe you're live. We're glad to have you on Facebook or YouTube this morning. We're glad that you're with us. And and uh, we understand that not everybody can make it out. So we're glad for those that are, are here today. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, kind of maintaining the CDC guidelines and all that. Pastor Randy's already mentioned we'll have some food here after this message here in just a little bit. And uh, normally we have the grill cooking right over here and uh, all of those things. But this year, because of the situation with the COVID, we went ahead and did the the sack lunches. So uh, next year, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be able to have the grill going and you'll smell smell that wonderful smoke lofting across the park and uh, making you realize how long the preaching really is. So, uh, man, I tell you what, it's, it's going to be good, though. Those sandwiches are going to taste really good. And, and so this morning, I'm glad that you're here with us. Here in just a moment, I'm going to be opening up the Bible and, uh, and sharing a message with you. If you're here uh, and you don't have a Bible, uh, or maybe you, you would like a Bible that we put together here at HBF, then uh, just uh, raise your hand, wave it around, and uh, we will have our ushers bring you a Bible. Here in a moment, I'm going to be uh, turning to page 1,330 in those Bibles and starting the message and, and quoting some scripture that Jesus said. So if you're looking for a Bible, just raise your hand or stand up, wave it, and the ushers will come to you. They'll bring a, a bag to you, and inside of that bag will be a Bible. Also, if you're here and and uh, maybe you're wanting to make a connection with HBF and you haven't had a, a good way to do that formally, we have a guest card in those white bags, so you can grab one of those as well. And after the service, during the, uh, uh, during the time when we feed, there's going to be a place to drop that information in the boxes up by the food. So we're glad that you're here. Do I need to step back, Ray? No? Okay. So, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> so, uh, am I on? Okay, that's better. All right, so this morning, uh, I just want to just welcome you here this morning, and we're glad to have you. Uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning from a passage in the New Testament. Uh, if you'd like to like, open your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 39. And I want to speak to you from this passage which Jesus uh, is recorded uh, dealing with his disciples. So just kind of to set the scene for you, Jesus uh, had been preaching in Galilee about the, the parable of the mustard seed. And he, when he departs uh, with his disciples, he wants to go across the Sea of Galilee, which is really what we would call, it's about the size of a lake. So it's not really a sea. We think of the sea like the ocean or the Mediterranean, but it's a, it's a, it's a sizable lake. Uh, maybe some of you have visited Israel and you've been on the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and as he goes across, the, the, the passage that we're going to be in is Mark chapter 4 and verse 39. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can grab one of those and turn to page 1,330. We'll be in Mark chapter 4, and then in, under that fourth chapter on the 35th verse uh, is where we're going to pick up the text. And it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship. So that it was now full, so it had filled up with water, and he was, and he, being Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. You know what an incredible thing. We all face a lot of storms in life. And I pray that you have Jesus with you in the midst of the storm. Today, our nation is facing a political storm. There's social storms. And all at the root of all of those are really spiritual storms that rage in the heart of man. And after Jesus calmed the water, this is what he went on to say to his disciples in, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 40. He said, and he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? 
And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, when when Jesus entered the boat with them, he said at the beginning of the passage that we read, Let us pass over unto the other side. They were going to get to the other side. Jesus has already spoken. It's going to happen. Let us pass over to the other side. There's nothing going to change that. Even the storms, even the waves, even the ship being full of water. Let us pass over to the other side. They were going to get where Jesus said, no matter what storms came. Jesus was not concerned for the storm. In reality, after all of the drama, what he did is he looked at his disciples and he says, "Uh, how is your faith? He was actually, Jesus was sleeping. And he was concerned about the faith of the disciples. And so, you know, many times we're facing storms in this life. There are personal storms. There's relational storms. There's racial storms. There's political storms. There's legal storms. There's emotional storms. There's spiritual storms. There's physical storms. There's all kinds of storms. And the real question that we need to have settled in our hearts is the question of, is Jesus is Jesus with us in the storm? Will we get to the other side? Will we get to the other side? In a sense, life is somewhat like a storm. When the storms of life come, we all look to someone to calm the storm. We all like to we like to watch movies. A lot of folks probably in here around here like to watch Marvel movies, right? All the movies that most of us watch, whether it's an old Western or a contemporary type of show, there's always a hero. There's always got to be the hero that comes and saves the day. We need a hero. And I wanna I wanna take you to another passage this morning, and we're gonna look at a hero. His name is is Paul. And this man has experience in the storms of life. He has literally been shipwrecked at least three times, and he suffered many storms. But you know what? In all the storms, the Lord was with him. He'd had some experience. So if you have a Bible, uh, be turning to the book of Acts, chapter 27. If you don't, you can turn to page 1497, 1497 in the Bibles that we hand out, hand out in the white bags. And again, if you need one of those, just wave your hand, and they'll bring that to you. And if you're taking notes on page 11 of your of your booklet, we have a little outline here that you can follow along with as uh, we go through the through the message. And so when it comes to the storms of life, we all look for that hero. Now, this man, Paul, he's already warned those that are traveling uh, that the storms were coming. And his message was a a warning. Uh, He had a warning that went unheeded in Acts chapter 27. And, you know, the truth is most people don't pay attention to God's message or the messengers until the storm gets so serious and so perilous that they fear of drowning in a sea of despair. I bet if I asked right now, many of us could raise our hand. We're like, man, I've been there and bought that T-shirt, right? Amen, right? There's times when we, we know there's the, we hear the warning, don't go there, there's a storm coming, but we don't listen. The other night I was out grilling and I looked up and the, 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 the moon was getting kind of foggy, but the, the sky was clear. And I went in and I said, I thought, hmm, you know, usually when that happens, there's a storm coming. But I thought, well, I guess tonight I'm wrong. It's so beautiful. And about three in the morning, all of a sudden, you know, all the alarms are going off on the phone and, you know, the winds are blowing and my front door slings open. And I'm like, what in the world? Well, the storm finally came. I, I didn't really pick up on the warning. God was trying to tell me something. It's often not till the storm hits that we're really all of a sudden taking a note of what the message and the messenger said. And so this morning... I want, I want everyone to have hope in the midst of the storm, whatever storm you may be in, be going through, and whatever storm you're in. So I'm going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 27, page 1497, if you have one of those Heartland Bibles. And we're going to pick up the account of the Apostle Paul as he takes command of the ship that's caught up in the storm. It's a storm that's lasted for weeks. I think all of us today can understand and identify with storms that go on for weeks caught up in a, in a COVID crisis for now months. And now on the heels of that, of course, we have uh, protests and then unruly riots and destruction and now death, death upon death. It's like a storm in our society. It's been going on for weeks. And there's certainly a storm brewing. And the question is, do you have hope in the midst of the storm? So a little backstory before we get in our text in the book of Acts, chapter 27. The Apostle Paul is a prisoner. 
of Rome. He's in bonds, not because of a crime he committed, but because it was safer for him to appeal to an appellate court and stay incarcerated than to go back to the the courtroom in his homeland and, and be hung by a kangaroo court. So the justice system was flawed. He couldn't trust the justice system, but he could trust the law. And so he put his faith in Christ and he trusted the law of the Romans. And he was on his way to Rome to be tried before Nero. And he is in bonds. At this point, he's given up his liberty. He has no authority on this voyage. He is simply a man that must submit to the will of the Roman centurion, the master of the ship, and the owner of the ship. And he's already endured rough seas. He's already had a tough time. He's already had a really rough time. And when arriving to Crete for a brief stop and drop of the anchor, Paul encourages the leadership. Though he had no authority in their eyes, he encourages the leadership. Whoa. Excuse me, that scared me. Not to sail. I thought that was a snake. So not to sa- he encouraged the leadership not to sail any further because he understood there could be great harm not only to the ship, but he says, your lives are at stake. And there were 276 lives, including his own, on the ship. That's probably about as many people are here, are here this morning. And he looks out among them and he says, guys, I really don't want us to, to, to cast off. I know I'm not... I'm not a sailor. I know I'm not the captain of the ship. Of course, he has been through three shipwrecks. Uh, and he says, look, I think it's wise that we just stay right here. And they look at him and they're like, uh, no, uh, we appreciate the input, but go sit down. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go forward. And so he was concerned about not just the ship, of course, but the people that were in it. Just like Jesus as they crossed the Sea of Galilee. And the first thing that Paul did was warn those fellows in his ship. He wanted them to know that they were heading into danger. And they didn't heed Paul's warning initially because the conditions, well, they looked ideal. It didn't look like anything was going to happen. And they brought the light, and as the light breeze blew up and began to push the ship, they thought, man, this is going to be easy sail 50 miles down the coast. We're going to park it, and then we'll settle in for the winter. And in a couple months, we'll be ready to sail to Rome. This is great. I'm glad we didn't listen to Paul. But it didn't take long, and the weather changed. And we often underestimate how quick the weather can change, and the storms come upon us. Things happen so quickly, and they just absolutely rock us at times. A couple years ago, Amy and I, we're out celebrating our anniversary. We go down to Branson, and you know what? That night on the way, we we drove through some rain and some weather. It wasn't a big deal, but when we got to Branson, we, we heard the terrible news that a storm had blown in. That evening, as we were driving down, and and a whole group of people, and in one of those uh, duck rides, those amphib- amphibious vehicles that take tours through Branson, had sunk and drowned. Oh, well, nobody thought that was going to happen. Not even the driver. As they were out driving around, it was sunny, and yeah, there were some clouds, but you know, what's going to happen? And of course, as they entered the the the, the lake, right? Not it's kind of like the Lake of Galilee, like the Sea of Galilee. All of a sudden, the winds and the waves and come crashing. And next thing you know, this amphibious vehicle is sinking to the bottom of Table Rock Lake. And, and sadly, many people perished. Amy and I had the, the honor of going to the parking lot that next morning. And we got up and we went up and paid tribute. And I made a little video and we prayed for those families. And, you know, they just didn't expect that storm to come up. It just came upon them so quickly. And the severity and the speed at which the storm uh, struck shocked everybody. And it was a tragic ending. You never know when the storms of life are going to hit. But this is what I want you to understand this morning. When they come, you want Jesus traveling with you. When the storms of life come, you want Jesus to be with you. Paul warned those what was to come on his voyage. But they struck out anyway just as the duck driver did. He was warned as well. The bad weather was ahead, but he struck out anyway. And once he was in the water, there was little he could do but try to press forward and see what would happen. And this is what Paul did until the moment that he was ready to bring hope in what seemed like a hopeless situation. Now, this morning, you're either somebody who has hope and is able to bring hope, or you're absolutely hopeless. And that, is, and that is based on your relationship with one man, and that man is the hero of the story 
of Galilee, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 27. I want to pick up the text in verse 21 and read what the Apostle Paul says in the account of Dr. Luke as he records this journey across the Mediterranean Sea. But after a long abstinence, verse 21, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete, and, and you have gained much this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there, there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, and that shall be even as it was told to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray as I continue on this message, Lord, that literally right now, as people are listening, Lord, there are storms brewing. Maybe people are in the midst of a storm of life, maybe a situation that makes them feel like they're about to drown. Oh, Heavenly Father, they need a hero, and that hero is not me. That hero is Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring this message to them and that we can have sweet fellowship because, God, you bring people in the midst of the storm to journey with people so that we can help pull them out of the disastrous waves that that beat upon the ship. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that we would believe you, that we would know that you are the one who is with us in the storm and you will get us through the storm. Thank you, and we praise you for this passage this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're following in the outline, I've titled this Hope in the Storms of Life. You know, the first thing that Paul did is he warned those in, in peril. He warned those in peril. <clears throat> and then the second thing that he did uh, is that he, he waited he waited for God to work. So he warned those in peril, and then he waited for God to work. Sometimes, like I said, he gave a warning. It went unheeded. And then he just waited for God to do what God does, which is confirm his word. Because God's already told him, this is going to be a tough journey. Nobody believed it until the storm hit. But now the storm has hit. It's been going for about 14 days, as a matter of fact, for weeks. And finally, people are like, huh, maybe maybe we ought to listen to the man of God. Maybe we ought to listen to the message of God. Maybe we ought to look to that person who believes in the living God. And so we pick up the text as we read this morning. And the thing that we see this morning is that, you know, the Apostle Paul is concerned about every soul on the ship. And he is willing and able to bring the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the hero of the story, to all that will follow. So he'll win all who will follow. He will win all who will follow. And so just like every great movie you've ever seen, the hero shows up just in time. Paul didn't throw a fit. He didn't didn't complain. He just sat back down and let everything take its course. Because he knew this was about Jesus Christ being manifest in a big way in the lives of all those that were on the ship. And so if you think, I'm thinking that Paul's the hero here, well, you're right, he is somewhat of a hero. But what makes Paul a hero is the same thing that makes you a hero. It's the same thing that gives you hope, and that is the real hero of the story is the Lord Jesus Christ and the assurance that we have in his word. So Paul, it was now in a position where his words now held weight. Paul's words now held weight. At one time when Paul spoke about the things of God, nobody wanted to listen. But now Paul's words held weight because the storms of life confirmed that what he said was true. And Paul says, I told you it'd be like this in verse 21, but, but, as, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and had not loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. But Paul waited until the right moment and let them know what was self-evident. So Paul, not only did he, not only did he uh, now have weight upon his words, but now Paul won hearts, not arguments. Paul won hearts, not arguments. He wasn't about arguing with people to prove he was right. He didn't have to do that. You all know that the word of God is true. His word is truth. That's it. That's all we got. That's it. It's it's true. You don't have to believe how the story ends, but that's how it's going to end. 
You don't have to believe that judgment's coming to this world. The Bible says judgment's coming to this world. You don't have to believe that Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago, that he died on the cross, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. But that's what the Bible says happened, and that's what is true. You don't have to believe that his blood atonement covers your sin. But the reality is that's what the Bible says is true. That is what is true. The truth is there's only one way, there's only one truth, and there's only one life, and it's the man Christ Jesus. He is the hero of the story. And, you know, some hear that story and they just say, oh, that's just some old 2,000-year-old book, 3,000-year-old stories, man. You don't know what you're talking about. You can believe that if you want. It doesn't change the fact that the Word of God is true and the story is going to end exactly the way God says it's going to end, and you need Jesus to survive. You need Jesus to make it through the storms of life. There's no other way around it. It is the truth. But Paul didn't argue that. He wasn't upset about that. If they didn't believe the storm was going to take them down, that's fine. The storm was still going to take them down, but for Jesus. So Paul won hearts, not arguments. And beloved today, if you're a Christian today and you're listening to this message, the reality is you you need either need you shouldn't need hope in the storm. You should have hope in the storm. Right? You should be playing the role of the Apostle Paul. Right now, people that are desperately drowning in philosophies and teachings and all kinds of winds of doctrine, not all of them from the Bible. Some of them are man's wisdom and philosophies and all of those things that are circulating through the atmosphere, agitating and causing storms in our culture. Why is that a problem? It's a problem, but I'm telling you what, you can get through the storm if you know the hero of the story. The storm is going to pass and Jesus is going to say, peace be still. But the reality is, we can't win arguments. we got to win hearts. And the way Paul behaved himself is what won the hearts. He let, he let the storm take place. He let, the, he let the waters come. He let everything happen on the ship. Just as Jesus laid down, took a nap. He just took it easy for a while. When everybody else is all stirred up, you know what? They were just sitting back. I just heard some research the other day that, that, that particularly targets Christians because they say we have a fatalistic attitude. We really don't have a fatalistic attitude. It's because we believe in life so much we aren't worried. It doesn't matter. I remember preaching at a mission one time. I know I'm looking at hardcore. Some of these guys are murderers. And I told them straight up, I'm like, man, you can shoot me right now and I'll just die. But I'm going to get up again. You can shoot me in the head right now. Anybody could right now. But the reality is... I'm going to get up again. That's what the Bible teaches. I believe that. When you have that kind of assurance, that's not fatalistic. But the reality is we believe eternal life. We believe what Jesus says. We believe he's the way, the truth, and the life. And when you come to faith in Christ, eternity begins for you. Paul didn't have to argue about it because he had the security. Not only was Christ in the ship, but Christ was in him. And this morning, that's what we need to get through the storms of life. We need to have Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Paul exhorts him to be of good cheer. Right. Be of good cheer. Why? Because in the midst of this storm that's been raging, there is great news. There's incredible news. In verse 22, he says, now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But of the ship, let me give let me give you some good news. You're going to lose everything but your life. Man, what a great message that is. Now, some of you might say, well, that doesn't sound like a very good message. Oh, no. You know what? When the storms of life come, what happened is the storms of life. we got to appreciate this. The storms of life help us understand what's really important. Because when they set sail, this was a ship full of grain. This was a ship full of money, man. There was De Niro involved, man. There was, there was, there was, there was money involved in this transaction. But by the time they go through the storms of life, they start to realize, you know what? It doesn't matter about the grain on the ship. It doesn't matter about the money that we were going to make. Right now, what's important is that we survive. How do you survive in the midst of a storm like that? Paul says, well, be of good cheer. You are going to survive. You're going to let go of everything that you've been trusting in this storm. You've been trusting this ship. We're going to let go of everything, and we're going to trust in God. And this morning, there's some in this park. You need to let go of everything. There are storms in your life, and you're still clutching to stuff, and God's calling you to let go. Let go of it and trust Jesus Christ. Your wisdom, your wealth, whatever it may be, you got to let go and put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in someone that you can trust in the midst of a storm. Let Jesus be your hero. And Paul gives the good news and the bad news, right? The good news is that you can be saved. The bad news is 
you know what? You're going to have to lose your affections for the things of this world. This world's not going to save you. There's not going to be some cryogenic technology. that They're not going to freeze you for 3,000 years, and you're going to pop up with some scientific solution and now live forever. God forbid you live forever in these endemic bodies anyway. The Bible's sparing you from that. The Bible's a better solution than anything that man can come up with. The Bible is the solution. But you got it. for me to inherit eternal life, for you to inherit eternal life, not only do you have to make a decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, but then there's going to come a day when I'm going to step across death's door if the Lord doesn't come first, and I'm going to experience what it's like to let go of everything, including my last breath. Now, are you prepared for that day? I prepared for that day 30 years ago. You need to be prepared for that day long before it comes. I'm thankful for those that make deathbed confessions. Praise God for that. There's been men, Darwin supposedly made a deathbed confession. I hope he's saved. I hope I see him in heaven. But reality is that God wants to get more of your life than that. He wants you to be, uh, he wants you to be hope in the midst of a storm. He wants you to, he wants you to be a, I don't need that. He wants you to be alive today, eternally, so that he can use you like Paul in the midst of a storm to help others see the way, the truth, and the life. And so you're going to live, but the ship isn't going to make it, Paul says. And he says, but be a good cheer. You know what's so awesome about that passage? What Jesus said to Paul in Acts 23 and verse 11 was exactly that. Paul was in a situation where things weren't going his way. He was in a storm. He'd been beaten. He's being falsely accused. It's dark and it's cloudy. It's difficult. And Jesus shows up to, to him in the middle of the night. And he said, and the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. I'm going to, I'm going to take you to Rome, Paul, so don't sweat it, man. You're not going to die at the hands of the Jews in Jerusalem. It's also a comforting message delivered by Jesus during this public ministry. It's not the only time Jesus said this. When Jesus walked the earth with his disciples, his twelve, some of us disciples, we need to hear that. Sometimes you get on social media or you listen to the news and, and you listen to all the things swirling around. It, it does, we're not inoculated to that. That's why we got a battle. We got a war to gird up the loins of our mind. We got to be ready like soldiers. We got to be disciplined in the word of God. Why? Because there's things that war against our minds. And so, so Jesus said this to his disciples, these things have I spoken unto you that ye might have peace in the world. Ye shall have tribulation, right? Just bet on that. But, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Woo! He says, hey, listen, you're going to have tough times, but listen, be of good cheer. Same thing Paul said. I've overcome the world. In Mark 6.50, Jesus said, for they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and say, saith unto them, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Because all he has to do is say, peace, be still. He owns the waves. He owns the wind. And this is the same way we deliver the gospel, isn't it? Paul didn't say anything to the men on that ship that Jesus hadn't already said to him. Beloved, I'm not saying anything to you. If you're, if you're watching in this morning and you're checking out this service and what's going on, I am not saying anything to you that Jesus hasn't already said to me from this book, from his word. Paul is just saying, be of good cheer. Why? Because that's what the Lord told him. He's just relaying the message. He's a conduit for good news. And I pray this morning that you are too, that, that if you're a Christian, that your life is just full and vibrant, like those that went out yesterday and were taking it to the streets, handing out church in the park literature, wanting to be good news, letting people know that there's something good in the midst of a storm. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul said, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, the gospel was delivered by Paul because, well, Paul had received that message himself on the road to Damascus. He was giving out to others what he had also received. Have you received the message? Have you received the good news? You know, Paul had given the message out before they started the journey. They heard the message, but they didn't receive it, right? It wasn't until the storms came and things were rocking and they were like, whoa, we better receive this message because it is our only hope. They didn't have plan B. They didn't have plan C. The only hope they had was in the message that came from God Almighty and his word. And this morning, the only hope that anyone has in this world is the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that comes from his holy word. And I'm here to relay that message to you. 
Paul delivers that which he received, and Paul reveals that he is sharing with these men what the Lord had shared with him that very night. You see, he got some fresh bread, and the Lord downloaded more information. Before the journey, he wasn't sure what was going to happen to them. You know, before this day, before the church in the park, I don't know everybody here. There may be somebody here that's on a journey, man. And, and you know what? If you were to say, is that guy going to make it? I might look at him and say, no, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make it. I don't know if they're going to make it to heaven. They're living such a godless, perverse life. There's no hope. There's, they're not receiving the message. They're like the centurion. They're like the shipmaster. They're like those sailors that, that they got their own wisdom. They got their own way. They got their own experience. And, and they're not really taking time to heed the good news that comes from God's word. So I can't tell you. But maybe something's happened recently and now in the storms of life and God is preparing your heart. He's tilling the soil of your heart so that you can actually really believe and receive the message. These men on the ship at this point, they're ready to listen. They're ready to hear good news. And they're, they're, they're like, yes, I'm going to live. Man, are you concerned about eternity? Because you need to be. There's a lot of injustice in this world, but I tell you what, the biggest, craziest injustice is for God of the universe to give his own son, to die on the cross and shed his blood for every living creature, every soul that that, that he doesn't want to see perish. And then for us to turn our back on that grace and when here, and we hear the message say, no, God, that's okay. I got it from here. I can handle it from here. No, you can't. There's not a person alive that's good enough to earn their way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only the only way to get to heaven. He is our propitiation. He is the one that has replaced us. He is our sacrifice for sin. And that is the problem is that we're sinners and we need a savior. The biggest storm in anyone's life is that it's your own human nature. It's the sin that we commit against a holy God. That's the bad news. But the good news is you can be saved. Jesus Christ has died on the cross so you can be saved. So don't delay in telling others the good news. If you've received that message, how many right now just say, Brian, praise God, I received that message. I, I'm born again. I know the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Man, you, you're going to make it through the storm because Jesus is going to get you to the other side. But, man, we got to tell everybody. we got to give to other people what God has given to us. And so you can't give what you haven't received. In Acts chapter 27, verses 23 through 24, Paul shared that Jesus had assured him that those traveling with him to Rome will all make it alive. And then something incredible happens as Paul the captive now becomes the captain. Paul the captive now becomes the captain. What? Yeah, he's he's not even a sailor. All of a sudden, this prisoner ends up being the captain of the ship. This man in captivity becomes the captain. In Acts chapter 27, verse 25, the Bible says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. So Paul once again informs Julius, the owner, uh, the shipmaster, and the sailors that are all on board, be of good cheer, because I believe that God said it, and he's going to do it just as he said. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Now, Paul he can't control one thing about the destination of the ship. Man, they don't, they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and by the way, nobody else can control it either. Nevertheless, Paul is telling the men not to worry. I believe that, that we're going to land on a certain island. I don't even know the name of it. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus told me. Paul walks by faith. He believes what God tells him, and he's on a need-to-know basis. Beloved, if we're going to bring hope in the midst of a storm, we're on a need-to-know basis. We don't have to know why the storm's going on. We don't have to know everything about how this is going to end in everybody's life. But we know the big, the big answer is that if you follow God's word, you will make it safely to the other side. You will land the ship in eternity. Follow Jesus by faith. This is very important because God will place those of faith in people's lives at the right time. Man, I'm in the back this morning. I'm talking to Franny. Brandy Winter, I mean, she's back there just sharing her testimony. She is hope in the midst of a storm. She herself is in a storm of cancer. She's back there lighting it up like a 100-watt hundred bulb, man. She's just lit up with Jesus. Amen. That's right. Let's rejoice, man. We got good news. Be of good cheer. That's right. Hey, cancer may come. Pastor Randy's up here. He's got a glioblastoma. He's up here doing the announcements better than I'm preaching. You know, praise God for that, man. There's hope in the storm. There is peace in the storm. There is Jesus in the storm. And so we're people of faith. And God puts people of faith in our lives sometimes. Uh, it's just just before all hope is lost. 
and other times after all hope is lost. Either way, if you're a Christian, you cannot lose hope. Because your faith in God's word is what's going to get others through the difficult times and encourage their faith. Man, we've all been Christians. I know you're going through difficult times. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have difficulties. There's all kinds of difficulties. But, beloved, I just want to encourage you. There's not a time like today that we need to be locked and loaded on the mission of God, doing what God's called us to do. Because we, not only do you know the hope, not only do you have the hope, but God vicariously uses you as hope in other people's lives. You are ambassadors for Christ. You and I are the people that bring hope in the midst of storms. So Paul commands the ship. Paul commands the sailors, and in verses 27 through 32, the text says, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, man, they did the, the she, uh, ship's going from the south side of Crete. One moment, they're afraid of hitting the northern shore of Africa. Next thing you know, they're all the way in the Adriatic Sea up by Italy. I mean, this thing is tossing them around, and it, and it says, and they sounded, and they found it was 20 fathoms, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found 15 fathoms, and then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks. They cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes and the, and the boat and let her fall off. What an incredible passage that is. So what was going on there? So what happens is they, they realize that, that they're up in the Adriatic Ocean. The water's getting shallower. They're checking the depth. They, they know that, that it's time to go out and set some anchors. And so some of the sailors are like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And Paul's on to it. He knows how people are. I know how people are too. They want to work their own situation out. Now that it looks like we are going to actually land, we are going to come to land, they take matters into their own hand and they quit trusting in the message and the messenger. And so they get to the point, they're going to drop those ships. They're going to go out and act like they're checking the anchors. And the next thing you know, they're just going to keep on rowing because they know they're close enough to land. They, they're going to make it now. Paul says, hey, stop. Help me save those men's lives. Cut those boats off, guys, because if they stay in those ships and they go out to those anchors and they keep on going, they're going in their own flesh. They're going in their own power. You know, the Bible tells us in, in, uh, in, Gala- in, uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Salvation is not of works, it's of grace. It's not of works, because if we could work our way out, we would be boasting, we'd be bragging, we'd be trying to take it into our own hands. Salvation doesn't come because of our own wisdom, because of our own effort. It comes because we trust in Jesus Christ and his word. And so those centurions, man, they're taking orders from Paul. And those, those soldiers go down, the centurion says, cut the ropes. They cut those boats off. There's no hope now. The only hope there is is in the message of the messenger and the message of God. If those men want to be saved. As they approach land, Paul tells those sailors, you're not going to make it. But we see that the centurion now believes Paul. He believes Paul over the sailors. Sometimes we need to be bold enough to tell other people that their plans for destruction aren't going to work. And, you know, sometimes people might hear the gospel. I know I was just telling my son yesterday of a time when I was lost. I'd made a good decision. I'd made a decision not to go to a concert with people that were not the right people for me. They were involved in drugs and such. And I decided I wasn't going to, this before I was a Christian. I'm like, I'm not going to take that route. I'd been, I'd had enough of that. Uh, I won't get into all that. But the bottom line is this. I didn't want to go down that road. And so I went with some other friends that were good guys, and I went. And I walked out of the Van Halen concert down at Kemper. And some Christians are down there handing out these Van Halen tracks, you know. And I opened that. I thought it was the coolest thing. I got a free track. I didn't know it was a track. I thought it was a free pamphlet with Van Halen on it. You know, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm coming out of the concert hall, and I get in the back, get in the back of that car, and I open it up, and I'm reading it. And next thing I know, it's telling me I'm a sinner. And Man, I'm angry. I'm like, I've been tricked. I don't like the message, and I don't like the messenger. This hacks me off. Anybody ever been there? A couple of us. I'm like, that's stinking Christians. But you know what? I hadn't been through enough storms, had I? It wasn't much longer. It wasn't probably a year or two later. All of a sudden, I'm ready to bow on my knee, literally. Grab a hold of a Bible and say, Jesus, save my soul. And he did it. 
I tell you what, you better not ignore the message in the messenger. Sometimes hearing the good news doesn't feel good. Sometimes it feels bad. You know, you want to do something your own way. That's how I was. I wanted to do it my way. I could work it out. I'll do it. I'm strong-willed. Listen, you need to break that will. You need to give your will to Christ. And if you don't, guess what? He knows how to get it. Sometimes the storms of life are what soften our heart. You know, sometimes we need to be bold enough to tell people that their plans are, lit, are past the destruction. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That sweetheart, that sweet young man, right? Oh, I'm, I understand, Pastor. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, but I'm the exception. Okay, you keep buying that T-shirt and see where it takes you. The soldiers cut off the boats and, and they could no longer do that. They could no longer get there. They had to obey the word of God. Paul, because he represents Christ, has become the hope in the midst of the storm. And Paul commands a meal. Now all of a sudden it's time to eat. We're going to eat in just a second. In verse 33 through 35, and he says, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat. For this is, this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from your head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took the bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when they had broken it, he began to eat. And as the sun is rising, Paul commands the men to, to break the 14-day the fast. And he's doing this not because of a spiritual requirement. He's doing this for the physical sake. You know what? When you follow Christ, it even helps your body. It helps your body. He says, you need some nourishment to finish your journey. God gives you your provision. He takes care of your next meal. He takes care of your next house payment. He takes, takes care of your next job opportunity. He starts taking care of these men as they break bread. It's a sign of relief. It's a sign of, of rest. It's a sign of grace. And they all follow Paul's example. Paul takes the bread and he eats. The Holy Ghost is careful to point out it was not an observation of the Lord's Supper with a bunch of these pagan Roman and Egyptian men. This is all about their health. You know, I'd want you to be healthy. And then Paul, he commands morale. It says, hey, be of good cheer. It says, then were they all of good cheer in verse 36. And they all took some meat. Man, praise God. Everybody now is a good cheer. It's contagious. You know, Jesus, our Christianity is either, it's either contentious and corrupted or it's contagious. I pray God that our hearts and our lives are in a situation that our Christianity is contagious because Paul won souls. Paul ended up winning those souls. Acts 27, verse 37, he says, And, and we were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. All 276 souls were on that ship. They were all going to make it alive. But what Paul was really wanting is for them to make it to Christ. Making it to Christ is really much more important than even making it to the other shore physically. The reason we do humanitarian efforts, the reason we, we want to help people physically is because we understand that unless we meet people's physical needs, oftentimes they're not going to be ready for God to meet their spiritual needs. we got food pantries. We help with those sort of things all the time. You know, we do those types of things. We've done some of that through the COVID crisis and all that. Why do we ultimately do that? Because we want to meet people that need to meet Jesus. And so Paul won them because they saw God work through the wreckage. Paul won them because they saw God work through the wreckage and a new day dawned. In Acts 27, 38, the text says, and when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. They're, they're letting go of everything. They cast out the weed into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land. They didn't recognize it. But they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if, they, if, were, if it were possible to thrust the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves under the sea and loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted the mainsail to the wind, and, and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So they see a little creek, and they, they shove the ship in there, and all of a sudden the waves come and break that ship up, and it's shipwreck. But Paul won them because they saw God work through that wreckage. The sun came, comes up, and it's a new day that's dawned. They see the land, and they're like, yes. They navigate to the landing, but it's not ideal. And they, they endure the loss of everything, including the ship, because they believed their lives would be saved. Do you know this morning, if you lost everything, that you would make it to heaven? There's one thing you can do to be certain. 
you can be certain through knowing Jesus. You can also be certain that death is coming. Whether you want to lose everything or not, there's coming a day when you have to let go of everything and step over to the other shore. And some people are going to step into a sea of despair. It's actually a lake of fire. But I'm here today to warn you and encourage you and tell you that there's hope and that you can be of good cheer, even if you lose everything. God will get you safely to the other shore. There's another sea. It's a crystal sea. It's at the throne of God. And God has the ability through Christ to get us to that other shore. It's beautiful. And we get to spend eternity with him. The saved become the saviors. You know, those soldiers that took counsel not to, not to let those boats go forward to the anchors, lest those men would die, also were counseled to kill the prisoners, Paul being one of them. Lest any of them should swim and escape, says in verse 42. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they will, that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get the land. You know, Paul, the one that had the, his mess, his life, after all that was done, his life was still at stake. But he wasn't worried because Jesus said, I'll get you to the other side. You're going to Rome. And God used a Roman centurion to say, wait, soldiers, you let those prisoners that can swim, swim. If they can't swim, they can grab a piece of board. Let them go. And they all made it safe to shore. Julius, that was a centurion, now commands the soldiers not to kill the prisoners. So Paul, who is responsible for saving lives, has now saved himself. Hey, beloved Christians, you better, I better be on our A game. We better be saving lives. Because when push comes to shove, it's our influence on this world that could save our lives. The evidence of salvation is not found in receiving life. Beloved, it's forgiving life. A lot of people say, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. Great, I hope you are. How many lives have you saved? Something's changed in this centurion. He's believed the message. He's believing the message so much that he's saving people's lives now. If you're really born again, you need to be about the business of taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and being hope in the midst of a storm. Because there's a lot of storm going on, beloved. You need to be hope. I need to be hope this morning. The vessel was lost, but the souls were saved. You know what Job said in verse 1 of chapter uh, of Job, in verse 21, he said, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Those who landed on the shore of Malta, lost everything they had, but they gained everything that mattered. They had their lives, and they had knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the rest, some on board, some on broken ships, on broken uh, pieces of the ship, and some passed. And some, and it came to pass, the text says, the last verse, that they, shall, they escaped all safe to land. Every one of them escaped safe to land. I hope when I get to heaven, every one of you in this park and everybody that I'm talking to on Facebook has made it safe to the other side. And when I say the other side, I'm talking to that crystal sea, to the throne above, to heaven, to glory. Man, you can do that today. Maybe this morning you feel like all hope is lost. Man, I'm here to tell you, be of good cheer. It's not. It's not. Why? Because I have a word from God that promises me that if you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will save you and get you to the other side. Maybe you're a Christian this morning, and perhaps you need to get back to the basics. You need to quit being a victim and be a victor so you can, so you can be someone's hope during a storm. You don't have to be in control. You just have to be filled with the Spirit. Commit afresh to warning souls, regardless of the response. Commit to waiting on the Lord so you don't argue with people. Allow the Lord, wait on him to provide the proper situation so you can do what Paul did and win them to Christ and save their soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to come this morning and and to present a message of hope, a message that encourages us in good cheer. In just a moment, just like Paul, the the, the ship is landing and we're going to break bread And we know many of us in this group already know we're going to make it safely to the other side.
But perhaps there's someone in this crowd right now that doesn't know you. They don't know the reality of of understanding what it's like to be with you in the midst of a storm and have you keep them safely. They don't have that faith of the disciples that Jesus was talking about to really trust in what the word of God says that you're going to get to the other side if you rest in Christ. All the other distractions, all the other things in life have brought them to a point where they realize maybe this morning Christ is the only way. He is the only truth and he is the only life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around this morning. If you're here this morning in this crowd and you know this message was just downloaded from God to me last night to come to you this morning, just like Paul's message, then I need you to do something. You need to stand up right where you are and we're going to bring someone to you or you can come walk down. We have altar workers, Bob and Carrier down here. They can take the Bible. They've got the Bible in their hand right there and they can show you in the Bible the promises of God and how you can know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Is there anybody this morning right now, would anyone be so bold as to say, you know what, Brian, I need that. I need to have that assurance. I want to have that. And you're willing in front of all these people to walk right up here. You don't have to. Maybe you need to just raise your hand where you're at right now. We'll come to you. Is there anybody at all? Just raise your hand, stand up, signal. Say, man, Brian, that's me. God's talking to me this morning. I need peace. You want Jesus to bring the storm and say, peace, be still. Come and speak to that storm. No takers? Well, listen. If you're listening to me this morning, listen to that message. But don't just listen. It feels pretty good right now. The sun's out. The wind's blowing. But there's going to be storms. And you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're always going to be here for you as long as the Lord has us here. And we're going to be here to help you in the word of God. If you need the Lord Jesus today, maybe after we say amen, after the final announcements here in a minute, you can come seek me out or seek someone you know here at the park out. And we'll open up the Bible and share with you the best news you've ever heard. And you can walk away from here knowing that your life is secured in Christ. And even if all is lost, you will have everything because you have Christ. Christian, are you ready to be hope in the midst of a storm? Just say amen. Yeah, that's weak. Christian, yeah, let's do this again. Are you ready to be hope in the midst of a storm? Amen. That's right. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to ask Pastor Rain to come. He's going to give a few final announcements and direct folks to uh, uh, on a few things before we, we conclude. You hear Randy?